passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. You want to smack down. 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 Welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. I am John Pollock along with Wei Ting and... For the final Tuesday night, we are chatting about SmackDown. How are you, Way? I'm doing well. Yeah, our last Tuesday. I I really wonder how different it's going to feel. I I don't think it'll feel that different, honestly. No, no, not at all. You're probably just going to have. Oh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, we, we we've got a new wrestling show on Tuesday nights. We're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. So there's there's lots lots and lots of wrestling news to discuss. Uh, lots to talk about coming up. It's out of SmackDown. We've got some feedback, some questions. I've got a list of jokes. I'm all set to go. But up first, we've got our contest giveaway. Oh, we're doing that first. Okay, I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Off the top, no time to waste. This is like Daniel Bryan storming the ring and having a match with Eric Rowan in the first five minutes. We are giving away free stuff immediately on Rewind to SmackDown. But wait. Everyone that's listening, all our brand new listeners, we're adding hundreds of thousands by the second, by the the microsecond. And they're asking, how can I be part of this draw? How can I hear my name read by the great Wei Ting and have John Pollock make all these stupid jokes about my name and where I'm from? Every week we give out a t-shirt to a lucky patron of ours from the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon. And uh, yesterday we talked about a number of changes that are coming out to the cafe uh, and, but, uh, what's staying the same, I guess, is that we're going to give out one of these shirts every single week. So, uh, ready to do the draw anytime. We are ready. Let's, let's get that drum roll going and way is going into the official post wrestling 24 karat gold tumbler. He is reaching in. He is diving through the names. He's going from 2019 signups to 2017 into 2018. He just crossed a, a huge batch from August, but now he has picked the one, the only winner, and his or her name is. Okay, congratulations to Christopher Creamer from New Jersey. Congratulations, Christopher. Congratulations, Christopher. From the fine state of New Jersey. Yeah. Um, we know a lot of people from New Jersey, it seems. Uh, yeah, we actually do. We have quite the contingent of uh, our own version of the New Jersey Devils out there. Yeah, the Jersey Triad. Yes, that is it. All right. Well, congratulations, Chris. You are the proud owner of a post-wrestling t-shirt. So uh, look out for that, and maybe you'll get a knock on your door. You know, uh, probably... 
Well, not from me. Maybe from from the mail. I, I I didn't promise you. I just said a <laughs> knock on the door, so I'm not getting. I am not lying. You, I don't get a knock on the door. Men. It might not even be with the prize. You just there will be a knock on your door. Yeah, I don't know. If mailmen really knock on doors. Uh, at least I haven't really had that happen. If it was like UPS or FedEx or something, maybe. But um, I'm not going to send it through UPS. Well, uh, from there we move on. Uh, however, this is going to be delivered. I'm, I'll tell you what is going to deliver this show tonight. I just feel it. I feel this is going to be a great one. One for the ages. Well, let's let's make it great. Yes. Uh, where shall we start, Way? You just tell me where to go and I'm all set. There's a great deal of news. So let's talk about it. Okay. Let us start with uh, a lot of different television news. I guess we can start off with Impact Wrestling. They made the announcement of where they are going to be slotted on Access TV, they're going to be moving to Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Impact will start there on October 29th, but in the four weeks leading up, they're going to be airing several specials, beginning with October 1st, the Homecoming pay-per-view from this past January. The following week, on October the 8th, it's going to be Rebellion from April. Then the following week after that, October 15th, is Slammiversary. October 22nd is going to be a special called This Is Impact. And uh, then it leads into the special, on or the debut of Impact on October the 29th. So Tuesday nights, Impact is moving in where the WWE is leaving with that 8 to 10 time slot. I think it's the best move that they could have made. Um, and I think it, it's the move that maybe you and I, you know, suspected that they would make. Uh, timing is really great with, I think, a good deal of buzz coming out of the access acquisition. And I think the idea of airing all of their uh, pay-per-views, which I think for the most part have received like pretty good re- reviews to actually very good reviews um, in the lead up to it is really smart. You know, I wonder if there was something holding them back from like, actually airing like the TV that that's going up until bound for glory. But you can argue that this might be even better. You know, you might, you'll probably, you'll absolutely get better matches and maybe this might be a better representation of what the current impact is versus even, you know, the, the present day TV. Yeah. And I would imagine they're going to be airing these pay-per-views in their entirety in these, um in these slots. And uh, Scott Demore and Josh Matthews are going to be, uh, doing wraparounds on the pay-per-view. So I would imagine there's going to be promotional material for Bound for Glory. You could argue if it was if it's more valuable since, you know, your your revenue generator is your pay-per-view at the moment that the TV building up the pay-per-view would like if you've got this new playground that has so much more visibility than Pursuit, I mean, you should just move it as soon as possible, but um for certain reasons maybe they have a certain you know, amount that they want to be on pursuit uh, to finish that up versus um, building up to one big premiere on access. So, I mean, you can, you can certainly argue. And if you're like, you know, a, a fan who's somebody who's not watching impact at all, like what do you think is a better calling card for what you're going to be spending your money on? If you're thinking about spending your money on bad for glory, it's, I don't think it'll be the TV. I think it'll be, you know, if I pay this amount of money, what type of show am I going to get? And that's what they're going to be showing on on the weeks leading up to it. Well, you you could argue that some of these pay-per-views, like the big feud, was LAX against Phoenix and Pentagon. And if I am coming across this, I mean, four of your major stars, they will not be there uh, at at the end of it. So, uh, I mean, but these are, like, largely, the Impact pay-per-views have been pretty well received. And there's enough um, performers that were featured on these pay-per-views that are still around if – 
and, and we're going to see what well, we're going to see in one sense, like just the overall um, buzz that impact receives comes coming out of this, because we're still not going to be able to see what numbers they're doing on access. Like I I'm not expecting that this is going to be uh, through the roof for them uh, viewership wise, but certainly it's a step up and we're going to see several months in like what, what kind of changes is this going to bring about with impact? Is this going to lead to uh, business increasing? Is this going to lead to them kind of re-entering the weekly professional wrestling conversation that they've kind of exited from, from the large part? Or is it so much wrestling that we're going into on a weekly basis that impact is going to be like many others that are just trying to be um, the alternative for people that are looking for even more outside of their WWE, AEW consumption? Right. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, though, like, uh, you know, access is pro- is not the biggest channel, but it's certainly bigger than Pursuit. And I think being on Tuesday really helps, you know, put impact at least in the discussion, because I think as it currently existed, there might have been a hot match that occurred on impact, but nobody would really end up talking about it, you know, especially with it being on Friday. Uh, it's it's pretty much invisible. At least if it's on a Tuesday, in between, like, you know, Monday's Raw and Wednesday's AEW and NXT, like, on podcasts like ours, you might hear discussion. On, like, message forums, you might see discussion. At least it enters them into, I think, a better space for people to talk about it if there's an interesting segment or a great match. Yeah, I think that, um, certainly for that first week, I think that they are going to get um, some attention from people. And you could certainly argue that, October 1st, you're putting that pay-per-view on. I mean, if you were to launch Impact on October 1st, I think it would be lost. In a week where there is so much going on, Impact would not be a priority, and you kind of waste that opportunity to sort of uh, create your own spotlight, whatever level of spotlight that's going to be for an Access TV debut. Right, right. Yeah, and perhaps for a lot of people, that jumping on point will be bound for glory. Uh, And that's a show that, you know, the pressure is really on them. I mean, all these shows, I think, for Impact... Uh, ha, ha, you know, the pressure has been on them for to, to deliver, but I, I, I feel like this is probably the most important one that they've had in quite some time. And I have asked, I haven't gotten an answer yet about how this changes their airings in Canada, because it does air on the Fight Network here in Canada, as well as Game TV. My assumption would be that it's going to, um, Fight Network will carry it Tuesday nights at eight, but I haven't been told that officially. So uh, we will find out what the airings are going to be because uh, fight network carries it Friday nights at 10 and then game TV airs it Saturday nights at seven Eastern. I believe that's what they currently have on. And those are both Anthem channels, game TV and fight network. Yeah. So they can air it whenever I'm sure they'll, they'll probably re-air it a few times. In the I, I, w- I would imagine you're, you're going to get replays and that'll be something interesting as well. Like what kind of uh, replays do they do on access TV? Like it's, it's their network. They can do whatever they want now in terms of additional programming. And, you know, in the one hand, it's like you, you can do whatever you want, but at the same time, it's, you're not getting paid for this programming. You are, you know, you've bought this network and ultimately it is going to be, what is, what is the end game here to make impact this, this profit center for the company. And that's going to be the next, I think major, well, not, not just a hurdle, like a major one. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it becomes bigger than, you know, whether or not Impact itself is profitable, but whether or not Access is profitable, whether or not Fight Network is po- profitable. You know, it's at this point, Impact is sort of like one piece of that larger Anthem puzzle. 
So uh, any other uh, final thoughts on on that one? This was, you know, it was largely expected and people, I think, uh, looking at Tuesday night, it makes a, a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. No, not not really any other thoughts. Uh Let's um let's keep on the, on the TV front. Uh, for those in Canada, uh, Sportsnet 360 has announced a Friday night WWE block, and it's going to include NXT, but it's going to be an edited down version of the Wednesday two hour show. So the new Friday night lineup is going to start at 6:30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, following uh, primetime sports on 360 uh, with, uh, of course, Jimmy Corderas, Nug Nargang. Uh, Anthony Corelli uh, with their half hour studio show that's going to lead into NXT at seven SmackDown will air live from eight till 10 and then from 10 till 11 they'll be airing main event so NXT is not going to be available live in Canada at least on on television the following night Thursday they will have the two hour version on the WWE Network and then an edited down version on Friday which I would imagine way ultimately comes down to so the the current schedule on Sportsnet 360 is they would they would simulcast primetime sports, which is their radio slash television property that would air until seven. And I'm guessing they didn't want to cut into anything beyond a half hour of that, which they are doing with aftermath airing now at 630. And you're going to get the edited version of NXT, which I can see that upsetting some, but it's it also does push people, I guess, somewhat to the network, if not. Going to alternative means if you want to watch it live on Wednesday nights, which some will obviously do. Yeah, I think you know coming out of this news, I I, I sense more disappointment. Certainly, if you're following uh, poor Jimmy Corderas's timeline, you'll see that man. This oh, poor God. everybody's just been tweeting him as if he was the guy making all these like programming decisions. Unfortunately, he's he's just the guy who who was literally the person on screen delivering the message, but. Um, I I saw most of this kind of being met with a lot of questions and, and a lot of negativity. Why is Canada getting NXT not on Wednesdays live at the same time as USA? On top of that, why is it only a one hour show? Uh, I don't know. I can't begin to speculate. You know, to me, like if what you're proposing is 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 you know the fact that Bob McCowan has to go up until well, what? not Bob McCowan anymore. Oh, sorry, uh, whoever who hosts it now. Uh, it's Jeff Blair and Richard Deitch, and they they kind of have a uh, uh, rotation of a uh, co-host. It's it's largely it's Jeff Blair to me. Like now. I mean, if that doesn't really seem like that big of a hurdle, like I would just move aftermath to a different time and have NXT at eight o'clock if if that was the case. I wonder if it's more than that. You know, like I know they. Well, got- if if you look at it, you know, and you know, I, I don't know all the thinking that went into this, but if you have your grid and you don't want to interrupt anything, like they're already cutting into a half hour of primetime sports every Friday now with, with aftermath, which I think it's, it's notable that they felt aftermath that they, they wanted to keep that there as their, their in-house show. But if you also want your out to be at 11 o'clock for their programming at that time, then it's, it becomes tough because you want to have SmackDown live from eight till from eight till ten, well, and then you have, you have an put, hour on either side. Why do you have to put everything together in a four four and a half hour chunk? I mean, I get. I also remember the fact that That's Rogers current to me. Well, remember the fact Rogers is also the distributor in Canada of the WWE Network, so they have their fingers in that pie. So you know, to air it live on Wednesday nights, they are somewhat undercutting people getting the WWE network to watch it as well. So, mm. 
you know, they have it's it's sort of like they also have a vested interest in people subscribing to the network. And I mean, I'm just throwing out that theory as to maybe it not fitting on their schedule on Wednesday, but also the fact that to put it on Wednesdays, it kind of undercuts the international airing on Thursday nights. Yeah, it's an interesting theory, and, and we're only speculating right now, so so we really don't know. But but I I feel like this eventually will be met with like enough fan demand, especially if NXT gets really hot. That I feel like Sportsnet may, if they're not already, perhaps you know consider will consider to to move it to Wednesday at eight o'clock at in a, in the same time slot as American viewers. But, yeah, uh, we'll see. Like again, like the one hour version on Fridays. Like even if it was two hours on Friday. I think the same complaints would be made that people mm-hmm. – I mean you're, most, I would say, that are going – especially for NXT, probably have the network. Or at the very least, they're going to have the capabilities to find this show within 48 hours rather than Sportsnet 360 being their only outlet to see this. To me, this is uh, this is a broadcast for Canadians that maybe they don't follow NXT and this can be a bit of a, a gateway for them to – be exposed to this product because they don't have the network and they're certainly not going online to track down this other WWE show that uh, they may not be familiar with. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, that's the announcement they have made. So four and a half hours each week of wrestling content. And you know what? Like <laughs> might not be the worst thing in the world, especially, you know, if you're somebody who's watching raw, maybe you're watching AEW, maybe you're watching SmackDown an hour condensed version of anything as an alternative, might not be so bad. I wish they kind of had it for Raw, actually. Um, a condensed version of Raw? Um, yeah, it, it could be. I don't know if NXT is the one that everyone uh, yeah, w- wants to be condensed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, while, while we're at it on the Canadian front, um, my timeline is just littered with questions about AEW. I know everyone is very anxious to know what is going to be. I mean, we are a week out and there is no announcement yet in Canada. I I was told a while back that, you know, they had a plan for Canada. It was a very important market for them. Um, I get the impression that something is close, but I, I, I mean, there's just nothing I can... I can say definitively right now. So um, that's where that's where things stand right now. I know it's not the most ideal answer for everyone out there, but it seems that they are uh, at least moving in the direction to uh, hopefully have a deal. But I can't say for certain if this is going to be airing next Wednesday or not. Yeah, well, clock's ticking. So um, I'm sure people who want to see it will find ways. Um, then we go... Uh, on over to the raw viewership from Monday night, they did two million two hundred and ten thousand viewers, and they were just down a small amount from last week. But this still was their fifth lowest number of the year. Uh, they started off with a two million three hundred seventy-two thousand viewers. They dropped seven percent in the second hour, and then an additional seven and a half percent in the third hour. So we continue the trend of uh, decreases throughout the show with the drop in the third hour. Um, yeah, they were going against a football game that was a, a bit down from the week prior. So, again, this is kind of this was a three percent drop from last week, and I would say unless it's a, it's like a really really weak football game or a very very big raw, I kind of am expecting these this range of numbers uh, each week in this two point two million range. You have a prediction for next week? Next week, the season premiere. Um, 
maybe a little up. It's not a huge game next week. I think it's like Pittsburgh and I think Cincinnati that are in a, in a game. So it's not, uh, it's not massive markets. So maybe that's, um, that'll be to their benefit and they can do a little bit above it, but I'm not expecting a huge number next week. Yeah, given all the promotion that I think it, they gave it on Monday, um, I'm really curious to see how high they can get, whether or not it, it'll be, you know, uh, at, at a similar level than, you know, what what is it? What do they call the MSG one? Did they call it something special? Um, No, no, they didn't give a special kind of okay. title to that. Austin's back. That's what it was. <laughs> Austin's back. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, in, and after this one, we're getting the draft. So we're kind of like, you know, intermittently getting, I would say, sort of high profile raws from time to time in an effort to, to try to keep those ratings up. And if successful, um, obviously, you'll you'll cut, see more gimmicks uh, in the weeks to come. All right, let's move on over to uh, New Japan. We don't have to go through all of these cards, but they had a, a plethora of announcements right after we finished recording on Monday night. They announced the full cards for this weekend in the U.S. Uh, some of the the highlights, the first night, they're in Lowell, Massachusetts on Friday night. Uh, it's going to be headlined by Okada, Tanahashi, and Ibushi against Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Evil. Uh, the second night, which is the show that is going to air on New Japan World Live at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, that one's headlined by Okada and Ibushi against Evil and Sonata, and will also feature Kenta versus Yoshihashi for the Never Openweight title. And they conclude Sunday in Philadelphia uh, with a 12-man elimination tag match. It's going to feature Jay White. Kenta, the Gorillas of Destiny, Chase Owens, and Ghetto versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and the Rock and Roll Express, who are on all three of these shows, including the Rock and Roll Express and Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up on the, the New York show, the New Japan World Card, against Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi. I am so excited to see Ricky and Robert in the ring with Naito with Shingo, even with Bushi. I mean, uh, and also worth noting, Amazing Red is going to be on all three of these shows as well. Uh, that was a surprise we did not know going into these shows, uh, that he's booked for all of these. He's going to take on, uh, who do we have here? He's teaming with Ishii on the first night against Takagi and Bushi. Then the second night, he is going to be, uh, I have it here. Anyway, um, oh, he's teaming with Ishii and Goto against Jay White, Chase Owens and Ghetto, and then the final night he's taking on Renderita, which also should be really good. So, so mm-hmm. I, I've, these are some very interesting New Japan cards, and uh, we only know of the airing of one of them, but I'm sure they're going to tape the other two. Red is also a part of a Red Pro's uh, British J Cup coming up, so I don't know what this means for for that retirement. I mean, you know, clearly kind of seeing a lot more interest in his uh, in his career lately, so. And, and from what all accounts seems seems to be more than delivering. So I, I kind of hope that this this is a bit of a re- resurgence and that he doesn't retire because he seems to fit really well within this system. Um, and I think, again, what's really glaring is like looking at all of these New Japan cards this year and seeing the lack of involvement of ROH talent and vice versa with ROH's show coming up on, uh, on Friday. Um, leaving room now for guys like Amazing Red and... For some reason, the Rock and Roll Express to fill out some of these uh, cards states. What do you mean for some reason? I mean, this is uh, th- this is th- dude. They're going to be dude. like among the most over people on this show, I think. Uh, Ricky Morton and Shingo Takagi is going to be explosive. It's going to be amazing. Um, 
I can't wait to see those guys. I can't wait to see the hair in that match between them and Hiroshi Tanahashi. So. When I when I saw these lineups, like I was gonna be, I, I was gonna try and get around to watching this. I am Saturday. I am sitting down and I'm watching this thing live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it feels somewhat special. Uh, you know, I I think um, some of these undercards don't really scream out at me at all. Like they just kind of seem like you're hitting shuffle and just seeing what what comes out. But um, I think the quality is usually always there. But. I really liked some of these. Like Lance Archer is working with the Young Lions on these shows. I think that's a really cool use of Lance Archer. Um, you know, some of them. It, also, the atmosphere is going to be awesome for these shows. Like probably not Royal Quest level, but you're going to have some hot crowds watching these mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, and the fact they're doing several title matches on this um you know, Gorillas of Destiny against Rapongi 3K is on the first night in Lowell, which is, you know, a title match for a show that's not even being broadcast. Yeah. And um, and then the Kenta Yoshihashi match they're paying off here at the Hammerstein. So, I mean, this is kind of above the level I expected these cards to be. I mean, they're not blockbuster shows, but I, if I had bought a ticket, I would be really happy with any of these lineups. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. You know, I, I, you know, seeing that they're they're they were pushing something like Kenta versus Yoshihashi for one of these shows, I, I really forgive it a whole lot more. Like, I don't think that is really an interesting enough match for something like King of Pro Wrestling. But I think for a stateside, um, I want to say glorified house show. Like, I think that's actually really great. You know, on Saturday, it's crazy. There's this UFC card in Denmark that starts at 11 a.m. and the main card's at two. This New Japan show is at seven. And then the Bellator main card, uh, which Moro Ronaldo is calling, um, it's a it's a fairly big show for them. It's at the Forum. It's at ten o'clock Eastern. So you have these three shows, and there is no overlap between them. So you got a full day ahead of you. Well, I'm uh, I, I'm splitting it up. Eric uh, Eric Marcote is covering UFC and doing the Denmark show. I'm going to do New Japan and Bellator that night. But that's uh, you could sit down at eleven a.m. and just go until like two in the morning and. You could, uh, and there's, uh, like, unless you re- really want to watch the Bellator prelims, like, there's no overlap among those three, which is kind of fascinating in this day and age. You could live your life only <laughs> watching wrestling or MMA um, and not do anything else, you know? That, well, I'm watching all these hours of uh, wrestling and, and fighting. How many kilometers are you going to be biking on Saturday? <laughs> um, what was your grand total this weekend? Man, we did 45K. 45k yeah, dude it was crazy it was the longest oh I, i've God. ever biked yeah we, we biked to dan lebranski's birthday out in in the east east end and it just like we i didn't think it would be so long but like it just kept going that that far and uh i was exhausted um i certainly See, now, now, you, now it took you two hours to bike to the the, the karaoke bar but you guys stopped along the way didn't yeah you? yeah we made stops but you know really scenic like toronto if you live in the right places and if you go to the right places is actually a rather nice biking town that's relatively safe if you can avoid you know traffic like the lakeshore is wonderful so i i'm glad i got to experience it before the end of summer yeah <laughs> we'll get into it on friday's show but watching all the uh the scenic shots of Toronto circa 1986 mm. is that shows such a trip to watch yeah. if you're a Torontonian specifically, mm-hmm. uh, even even if you're not. It's really a, it's a fun show that we're going to review on Friday. So um, final thing here is the King of Pro Wrestling card. Uh, they released that whole show. So here is our card. Opens up with Ryusuke Taguchi and Rapongi 3K against the returning El Desperado, who's been out since uh, since the spring. Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Doki. 
Second match of the night, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tomoki Honma against Togi Makabe and Toru Yano. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe some tag league um, build there. Uh, otherwise, maybe just a match. Man, this is, uh, this is Tanahashi's fall. He's going to be like cutting promos on Donovan Dickhead by the end of this. Um, Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer, and Taichi versus Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi. Jay White, Kenta, and Yujiro against Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Minoru Suzuki. I mean, to me, this is the main event, um, or at least maybe the match that has most of my interest. And obviously, I think the, the big question is, does Kishin Liger arrive, and how will he arrive? Because this is currently billed as Jushin Liger, taking on Minoru Suzuki. Do you think he should morph into Kishin Liger during the match? Yeah, I think so. I think it's way more, like, you know, interesting to have him peel that mask off um, to and, and reveal it, but... um. I don't. I'm or you, not really or you sure. could do. You, you could do some big angle uh, at one of the road two shows where Suzuki gets his revenge for the attack and kind of precipitates the turn to set up Kishin Liger for the match in October. You could do that as well. Maybe. But I, I think ultimately you have to bring the character back for this. Yeah, I mean that's the whole story. Yeah. So the new retirement match I want is. Uh, so the Ju- fiend. So Jushin Liger has retired, but Kishin Liger is still active. Oh, that that would be hilarious. <laughs> and then he works WrestleMania against uh, the Fiend, and that's his send off. Ooh, wow! Goes into the, goes into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, I actually believe Liger will go into the WWE Hall of Fame one year. I think from a PR standpoint, if it works out for for the WWE, uh, why wouldn't they do it? But I mean, I could actually think of many reasons why they. The guy hasn't really had a WWE match. Not that it matters for the WWE. He did the, he did the Takeover card a few that's few not, years ago. That's ta- that's NXT though. But wait, there's plenty of people that are in the you, WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. if if it works out for them PR wise, uh, sure. Why wouldn't they do it? Yeah. Um. Then we have uh. So the heat for this should be phenomenal. So the guys who have to follow that, which I have no uh no. We, fear we don't that- know if this is the match order though. Oh, this is usually this is always the match order. Typically, like they could always okay. flip stuff around, but this is the match order. Like they usually, they always put the cards out with the order of where they're going to appear. So at least on this this rundown, it's the fifth match of the show, um, and it would make sense that you would then follow with the title and stipulation matches afterwards. Um, Will Osprey versus El Fantasmo for the junior heavyweight title. Uh, my expectations are through the roof for this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am. I'm looking as forward to that match as anything else on this card. John Moxley, Juice Robinson, no disqualification match for the United States title. Kota Bushi, evil for the G1 uh, contract to face the IWGP heavyweight champion. And then Okada, Sonata in the main event for the IWGP title. This is a loaded show for October 14th. Yeah, it's a great looking show. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, Moxley versus Robinson. I, I didn't even see that the first time. Gosh, we have that show that day, and then the the draft continues that night. Oh, wow. This is a Monday. This is Thanksgiving Monday in Canada. So you'll be celebrating on Sunday, I imagine? I'm doing a double Thanksgiving that weekend. We're doing a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, cool. That is the plan. Is there is there a pay-per-view the day before? There's not. Don't think There's so. The, not right now. The, the, the AAA show with Kane is the day before. Oh. But that is all that I'm aware of that is on that Sunday. So, um... Have I skipped over any news? Is there anything way that you're dying to talk about that I've missed? Uh, I believe AEW is uh, confirmed to be TV 14 
Uh, that's what Cody Rhodes tweeted out today. So that might be something. Um, and then I'm sure we'll talk about other things uh, in sh- later shows later this week. All right. Um, quickly, just uh, repeating our schedule coming up this week. Wednesday night, Wayne and I will be back with the final shot for our patrons. That'll be up Wednesday night. As will Brayden and Davey with Up Next following week two on the USA Network for NXT, chatting about uh, the rematch between Matt Riddle and Killian Dane, the return of Dakota Kai, and more. Then on Thursday, it's the Cafe Hangout live, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You can tune in live. We'll be taking your phone calls, discussing NXT from the night prior, and everything else going on in the world of wrestling. There will probably be a dozen things to talk about uh, from then. And maybe a topic to throw out is people's reaction to the Impact News. What is your is this going to reinvigorate uh, your interest in this product, or is it just too much of a commitment to dedicate another two hours to another product? I'm very curious to hear from people about that. Friday, rewind away. Way and I are reviewing the big event from Exhibition Stadium from August of 1986, headlined by Hulk Hogan and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in front of 64,000 people in Toronto. That's the legit number. 64,100 was the real number, um, and then it was like 61,000 or so paid. I consulted a historian, Matt, Matt Farmer, for the official numbers for this exhibition stadium card. Cool. And to this day, is that the record? Did that beat the, the Skydome's real number? Um, no. I, th- I think both, both uh, WrestleManias, I believe, topped the, the paid number. Uh, cool. But at this time, 1986, that was enormous for them. So that'll be reviewed on Friday, and we'll hear from Dan Lebransky on that show, who attended that card 33 years ago. Saturday, or Friday night, we've got the ROH Death Before Dishonor show, so Mike Murray and I are going to have a review of that. And then Saturday, Nate Milton is back reviewing Get Smart on the latest edition of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Postwrestling.com. Wonderful. Did that all off the top of my head, Way. Are you impressed? I'm always impressed, John. Every show. SmackDown, were you impressed with this show? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. That was the USA Network era. Actually, if I still have it here, do you remember what was going on in the WWE when they launched on the USA Network on January 7th, 2016? Oh, 2016. Um, here are the Coles notes from that show. Okay. Daniel Bryan, this, something. One of the major things was... Jerry Lawler introducing the new voice of SmackDown, Mauro Ranallo, who debuted. Oh, that's right. Yes. The SmackDown Live era. Yeah. And then we had Kalisto over Alberto Del Rio. We had a eight-man tag with The New Day and The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler, Goldust, Neville, and R-Truth. Charlotte versus Becky Lynch, how things have changed. And then we had the main event... Intercontinental title match, Dean Ambrose versus Kevin Owens. So this was like with the draft, that, that like the first brand split? Like the this, actual- this was six months before the draft. Oh, okay. So we still had the singular roster, but they were – this was when, uh, when they launched on the USA Network. They were still taping on Tuesday and airing it on Thursdays. And then in July of 2016, it was the draft, and they went to the live format on Tuesday nights. Got it. So that is what it was going on uh, three plus years ago. But tonight, the Chase Center, night two in San Francisco, California, or as it was identified, the Bay Area. 
Yeah, I've always been a little confused by that, but it um, sounded very awkward when Biggie had to go, "Oh, Bay Area." Yeah, because like those cities, all three of the cities are. I, I feel like they're pretty large. So, you know, San Francisco. Okay. I mean, that's uh, a classic city. Yeah, as is Oakland, as is San Jose. I would say so. Well, maybe they didn't want to alienate anyone. Yeah. Show started off with Eric Rowan coming out. Did you catch his shirt of choice this week? I did recognize this band, yeah. Kill Switch Engage. Yeah, that was the closest we got to our CM Punk reference on this show. He says that he annihilates, and he doesn't appreciate people calling him a redwood tree because they claim to not see him. As as more than, or as uh, they see him as less than human is is what he said. Yeah, I was waiting for a redwood tree chant to drive him crazy. He says that might makes right. And if you can destroy and dominate, it makes you right. And he said that Roman Reigns and his fr- his former friend Dan know he's right. And this prompted Daniel Bryan to storm out and challenge Eric Rowan to a fight. Uh, what did you think of Eric Rowan and kicking off the show with a microphone? I thought he sounded more comfortable than the last time he had to, you know, speak in front of a live audience. Um, like the verbiage that he's been given isn't necessarily that that easy, I think, to to convey. And I thought he did an amicable job, didn't get what chance this time uh, and met with a pretty, you know, clear cut baby face in Daniel Bryan now. So we get an impromptu match here and it begins. Bryan's hit with an inside out lariat. And then we saw Eric Rowan give us his best Muda elbow. Okay, sure. Twisted the hips, and anyway, um, hit a running cross body on the floor. Brian came back with some kicks, and then Eric Rowan nailed him with a spin kick, and they took our first commercial break. Brian is getting beaten down until he starts chop-blocking the knees of Rowan, wraps the knee around the post. We get some running drop kicks into the corner, and then he catches Brian and hits him with a jackhammer for a two-count. He's using a bear hug, second commercial break. Rowan is sent to the floor, suicide dive gets caught, but Rowan then is thrown into the post, and Brian fires up with a missile drop kick. Yes, kicks, but it can only get a one count after a head kick. Chokeslam gets caught, Brian turns into a guillotine, then to the label lock, and Rowan gets to the rope. And this is when Luke Harper appears ringside. Brian dives to the floor, but Harper pops up from behind the announcer's desk, and it allows Rowan to apply the iron claw from the apron and he lifts up Brian to choke slam him, or I guess uh, slam him onto the canvas. But in doing so, Brian's foot legit gets caught in the rope, and they have to stall to get Brian's foot off. He hits a second iron claw slam and then pins Brian at fifteen fifty seven. But this was a kind of funny uh, error that they had at the end that unfortunately they really couldn't work into anything, but I mean, it just was kind of hilarious that this happened. It was a really interesting botch. You know, usually this works out really well when it's a plant spot, but in this case, like it, it was almost like just the foot caught in a perfect position that unfortunately interrupted the finish and, you know, required Brian really to remove himself or at least cooperate in order to free himself from the ropes, even though he had just taken Rowan's finisher that was supposed to have knocked him out. So they recovered fine. I thought it was a good match. You know, um, I I was surprised that they just went to this without really any buildup. Did they announce this beforehand? 
No, no, right? No, this was all impromptu. Yeah, so they just like, Brian comes out and they have the match, and you would expect a match between two tag team partners to receive a bit more build than this typically, but this to me felt definitive. It felt like a match these two would have had on a pay-per-view. Um, so I kind of read this as like, you know, them still changing course and maybe rushing through these programs in order to get to where they need to after this. But um, it, it was fine. Well, there was also a storyline reason to do this for the post-match and everything involved. I'll say this, like, again, Eric Rowan, I think if you look at this guy and some of the other uh, big men that they have got behind that haven't panned out, I, I think that Eric Rowan, I'm not going to give this guy an A+, but to me, he's he he is... He has achieved a, a better success level than I'm, I would have anticipated at the start of this. I've, I think that this guy has somewhat risen to this occasion for this push, and I think that he's really carved out a, a good spot for himself as kind of like the resident monster on SmackDown at the moment. Yeah, for sure. You know, the size obviously, like, um, you know, allows him to, to be catapulted in, into that spot whenever they kind of feel like it. But he's done a good job. I... I I think you know Harper um to me is still like the preferred one if you're going to compare the two but um I I feel right now they don't really want to use Harper um no it, like it is very clear like Rowan is the pushed act and Harper is the sidekick he's just kind of there like he anyway but that's just what it is and I think by this point like Rowan kind of deserves the space to to be able to try to prove himself because Harper's had that chance. Uh, and Rowan, to me, hasn't really had a fair shake until now. And he's done well. I also wanted to mention, like, you know, we're about like a year and a half removed from Brian's comeback. And at this point, like, I can't really see any shackles being put on him as far as like style goes. Like, he's even doing suicide dives now that are just like straight up suicide dives. He's, you know... Obviously, he's not doing something like a headbutt, but probably not doing anything that's too risky that might jeopardize his head directly. But he really does not feel any that much different from the Brian we had before, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he he did the missile drop kick in the spot. I mean, that was the one with the with the stinger from all those years ago in 2013. Um, yeah, like I, I'm also not watching Brian, and I don't ever have that feeling of oh my god, um, and feeling reckless. And th- they're probably. Uh, not so much a reckless style, but you certainly did have that reservation when he had first come back where you were kind of just worried that, you know, one bad thing. I think he has gotten through that. And and we still don't know if he's still going through all that all that testing that he had to go through after each match when he had come back. So um, I haven't heard any differently that he's still doing that. But it's now been, you know, a year and a half. Yeah, well, hopefully this run goes this way forever. So they went 16 minutes here, and they're going to continue the attack on Brian. When Roman Reigns comes down, he hits the Superman punch off the steps to Harper, hits him with a drive-by, but then he gets dropped by Rowan, and Brian tries to help, and Harper misses a discus lariat, takes the running knee, and then Rowan's iron claw gets stopped with a Roman Reigns spear, and Brian gets on the mic, standing next to Roman, and says he just has a one-word one word question for the audience. Do you want to see us kick their disrespected asses? And everyone chanted yes. So initially, SmackDown promoted like a Brian and Roman Reigns clearing the air segment. Yeah, they, they overemphasize. I got an email today from WWE, like a promotional email 
And it, the only thing they promoted was Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan clear the air, which I thought was going to be Bryan doing his environmental character again. <laughs> yes. The way they use clear the air in all the promotional material. I guess they cleared the air here. They've kind of like, obviously, you know, as a baby face now, Daniel Bryan, which the crowd completely is, it didn't take much convincing for this audience to start cheering Bryan again. But it, it seems like he's not doing any of the environmental character right now. He's purely focused on getting revenge on Eric Rowan. Um, and this was the segment. Or or maybe they decided to do the match instead of the segment. And it was it worked out better. I'd rather see wrestling than like, what what could these two have done anyway? You know, you could argue maybe this storyline needs a bit more resolution from Bryan and Roman's perspective to clear the air between the two but i'm i'm fine with this like he asked the audience do you want us to team and they said yes okay now they're gonna team that's just give me the match so later in the show they announced that this would be added to hell in a cell i think this is going to be a really strong tag match i think so too i'm looking forward to this i think so too hopefully it'll wash away the memory of this terrible storyline um (laughs) because you know (laughs) It still remains incredibly unsatisfying when you really think about all the beats and how unresolved so many of those uh, elements are. But as long as they give us good wrestling, I think we can we can all move on. You're not expecting the twin to show up at Hell in a Cell? Yeah, um, I you know I probably not. Maybe Saudi Arabia. Um, We don't know if Brian will be there. Yeah, um, that's a great point. I I wouldn't expect Brian to be there. Yeah. Um, hey, is there any possibility with with the draft coming up and we did the attack on Braun? Uh, can you see any involvement of Harper and Rowan into that whole situation, given Bray's promos about uh, people abandoning him? Because um, I, I not... actually don't think it, the time is right for it. I think Rowan yeah. and Harper have something at the moment. They're, they're also and... heels. So how do you inject them into... Like, well, you could you could do something where they they all come back together as like this heel unit, but I really don't feel that would be a step forward for especially Rowan, who I think is now branched off. Yeah. And where, to step where you back from Braun too, I think. Yeah, you almost get the sense Braun would be feuding with them, but yeah. um, I, I really th- think that would be a major step back, especially for Rowan now, and and it would be for Harper too to just go back to that. And I don't think the Fiend is a character that needs um, assistance. Yeah. He's got the puppets. That's all he needs. He doesn't need real life puppets. So uh, we set that match up. They showed the San Francisco 49ers in the crowd. Uh, football. Yep. Michael Cole did a sit down interview with Kofi Kingston. He promised to be a fighting champion. That's why he's accepting this Brock Lesnar match. And you can't prepare for someone like him. But Kofi's at the top of his game. He's beaten some of the greatest, like Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, and Dolph Ziggler. And he's going to stay champion after next Friday. And Cole said, good talk. Great. Thanks. Bye. And this was all we had for Kofi versus Brock on this Ooh. show. Did they no show way. Like- no way we had more. We had those new uh, matchup boards. And that- did you identify the song that they were playing underneath this, which I am dreading is going to be the new theme of SmackDown? I did not. The song is Are You Ready by ACDC. Okay. Is it is the song no good? We're going to it's 2019 and so? we're going to we're going with AC/DC. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Is, I mean, they're a good band. Is the song good? I did uh, 
I, I've got to think like ACDC songs, like they can really, uh, I don't know. They, they, they have some nice songs. I think they could have done far worse than ACDC. Like they could have, they could have picked it could have been nickel dude. It could have been Nickelback. Like we were, we had that for like years. They did have Nickelback, didn't they? Yes. Okay. I much prefer ACDC, but I haven't really paid attention to the song. The graphics look, look tremendous though. Um, you know, this interview with Kofi, I, I was a little bit surprised because like, this was like a Kofi that sounded overly confident and playful. And considering he's about to face Brock Lesnar, who I think in, you know, um, storyline in the WWE quote unquote, like, um, realm, uh, he's like the, the biggest threat to anybody, especially for somebody like Kofi Kingston, who is typically portrayed as sort of like an undersized underdog. So in this interview, like him sounding as I think overconfident and maybe not as concerned as he was, it almost seemed like he was not taking Brock as seriously as you would expect, which I think will be a good excuse for him to lose, you know, cause I, you know, I keep hoping for that metamorphosis from Kofi. I I wanted it in the, in, in the Orton feud where he takes a loss, loses the belt so that it motivates him to fire up. And we finally get that different level of Kofi Kingston, super Saiyan Kofi Kingston, which Whoa. we, which we still haven't had yet. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a loss because I want Kofi to reach that next level. I want him to have motivation to do, to new, to get to that next, next level. And I felt like an interview like this was like, almost like a, to me in my mind, like a, 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 a potential way to set that up because he was taking this so casually. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of, um, a bit of a underlying theme that you could take from this, this interview as well. Um, so you, you seem like, the title change, they go ahead with it on, on Fox. Yes. Yeah, I, I could certainly see them doing that. For many reasons. Like, number one, I think... It, you want to do something big on that first show. Yes, it's Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, you want news coming out of that first show. Uh, yep. And a big title change, I think, is important. And I think Kofi's just winning or, like, the match going to a DQ. To me, that's a waste of a Brock match. You know what I would do? If Lesnar wins that title... I would get him onto like the uh, NFL programming on that Sunday and really plug the draft um, because that's someone that I think can translate very well to that that audience, like Brock Lesnar with the title, and they're Damn. really pushing this Friday the draft on on Fox. What do the announcers say? Oh, <laughs> oh it's wrestler. yeah, it's a Nacho Libre. <laughs> Man, I. So many people got upset about that. Dude, I am all here for that kind of stuff. I love it. I think it's awesome. And who cares? Like, I don't get bent out of shape over that stuff. I find it hilarious. I want to see all these Fox broadcasters have to somehow incorporate the stuff that they have no clue about to a national audience. I'm all for it. It'll be an interesting uh, transition. Um, Then we had Chad Gable in the ring. He acknowledges that Baron Corbin says he always comes up short. Yes, that was a short joke Gable uh, clued us into. Corbin got disqualified because he was about to lose, and he gets interrupted by Mike Kanellis. Yes. The beta cuck. And he says he's sorry to cut him short. Mm -hmm. But he came here to prove to his pregnant wife that size does matter. And Tom Phillips, who clearly didn't get the memo on Raw, said, I thought Rusev was the father. And Corey says, no, that was never a thing. Okay. So that's our write-off of Rusev in that story. I feel like that, I mean, was that the there, write-off? There is, of 
On this <laughs> is there a, is there a more blown return than, than Rusev? Not to say this guy would have been your main event guy, but God, just a surprise at the draft would have gr- been a million times better than what this return has been for him. I feel like there have been a number of blown returns. Maybe that'll be its own category at, at our year-end awards, but um, it, it, Rusev's has not been a good one, at least two weeks in. Chaos Theory, ankle lock. Chad Gable beats Mike Canales in 20 seconds. So at least they gave Gable a really definitive win here over uh, the head geek. Yeah, he lost to Corbin uh, in the King of the Ring, of course, and then had the DQ. So I think he needed something like this, just a clean, quick win to just uh, raise his stock, at least above somebody like Mike Canales in a squash match. So fine. He cut a promo at the beginning of this too. And I was kind of interested to see like, how he was doing currently with his promos didn't really get going that much before he was cut off. But I mean, from what I did here, I feel like this is a guy that, you know, less is more when you're, when you're on the microphone and more in ring is better for him. After that, Elias appeared on the screen and said, Hey, shorty. And he sang a song for Gable saying that had he won King of the ring, he couldn't even see over the steering wheel and quoted Randy Newman who said short people got no reason to live. Yeah, man. Harsh words from Randy Newman. Yeah. He pretty much told Chad Gable to kill himself. Damn. This was pretty, I mean, that's what he said that those are the lyrics to the song. Yeah. I had to look this up. I was not aware this was a legit Randy Newman song. What a, what's the context? Have (laughs) you ever heard the song? There's gotta be some story behind it. How tall is Randy Newman? Um, I don't know. 1.83 1.83 meters. Okay, well, that's a... Which is six feet. So that's an average size, man. Yeah, so, you know, if it was self-deprecating, I, I would, uh, you know, excuse it. But this sounds more like it's just bullying. He is Baron Corbin. Yeah, this built up a Randy Newman match, not Elias. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it looks like Gables get, has, is going to have current programs with, with Elias and presumably still bearing Baron Corbin, don't you think? Well, we don't know the update on Elias, like the extent of his, uh, of his injury that he su- sustained. And he was just showing on screen here. He was not out in front of the people. So uh, I, I don't know what his prognosis is either of wh- wh- why would they wrestle again. Why would they start this if he wasn't um, ready? I, I mean, they could maybe hold it off for couple of weeks um you're right like they're teasing something here so you would assume that elias it's it's not going to be something too long before he's back but yeah. i think it was notable the fact that he was just on the screen here and the, wasn't on tv at all last week right you know they're really continuing with this like short joke thing pretty much for everybody who ends up facing chad gable it's something that i think is really base and really simple and i would typically like not be a fan of it except for the fact that i think it's totally working we saw evidence of that, like throughout the King of the Ring. We saw it obviously in this Baron Corbin program, and I think it'll be the same for this Elias thing. You know, like as long as Gable wins, to me that's the caveat. You know, as long as Gable comes out of this as the credible wrestler, um, this short thing is working. They recapped Carmelo winning the twenty four seven title, and Tom Phillips asked if Graves had a good night, and he said, "Sure did." Yeah. They're more and more incorporating the Carmilla Corey Graves relationship as we uh, get ready for Total Divas that is also going to be premiering on October 2nd. That's a lot. The main event on Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. Charlotte Flair walked up to R-Truth, who was uh, hiding Carmella in the locker room, 
And he claims to not know who Carmela is when Charlotte is asking her whereabouts. And then Carmela walks out and says that she had been best friends or good friends with Bailey for years. This is not the Bailey she knows, but Charlotte says it's the Bailey she's always known. So they are teaming up tonight against Bailey and Sasha. And the announcer said goodbye to the USA Network and then plugged the move to Fox along with the season premiere of Raw next Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Goodbye, USA Network. Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Charlotte Flair and Carmella. Byron Saxon starts explaining Carmella's issues with Bailey, and then Corey responds, "If only someone at the desk knew intimate things." As Carmella gets sent to the floor by Bailey, uh, they worked over Carmella until she tagged in Charlotte. Charlotte delivered her boots to Sasha on the apron, chopped Bailey, then dropped Bailey with a boot, applied the figure four, but Banks breaks it up with the running knees. Bankson comes in, Flair hits her own turbo backpack. When Carmella hits a crossbody to Sasha, super kick, Bailey makes the save, then Bailey gets super kicked off the apron, and Carmella goes for a tilt whirl into a cover, and Banks counters it into the bank statement, submitting Carmella. So Sasha um just racking up the wins over people that hold championships, but appears to have no desire to go after said titles. So shouldn't Sasha be the twenty four seven champion? They explained that the 24-7 rule was suspended during this match. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, you know, probably Carmella's biggest match in months, and I was interested to see how much she's improved since her title reign. I don't know if we really saw enough here to, like, really judge, but I think, I, I you know, we... The super kicks look good. Yeah, like, I think for, for, for her involvement in this match, everything she did, like, was pretty decent. So I'd actually like to see more of Carmella at this point. They they tried to really kind of hammer home the story between, like, Bailey and Carmella... Uh, and they're like supposedly like really tight friendship in real life breaking up as a result of this. But I just I don't think it's a it's a relationship that anybody really knows because they've never quite made light of it on TV, at least not in recent memory, unless they've done it in NXT or something, which I, I wouldn't know. So I don't know how effective all that was. But as a way to get Carmella on TV, I think it was fine. Uh, I think it was actually well done. And I actually love the fact that, like, she and R-Truth can just, like, swap places. And the thing still works, you know? Like, we've been seeing Carmella be Truth's sidekick throughout this entire 24-7 run. And now it appears to be the opposite. It's it's R-Truth, like, being the sidekick to Carmella as the champion and protecting her. And it works both ways. So I find that really fascinating. So afterwards, uh, Sasha had submitted Carmella so she's she's down and selling the submission so with the 24-7 rule open Sasha went right for the cover and won the title she did not no she didn't do any of that she just got up (laughs) celebrated and then the women's locker room emptied and they chased Carmella leaving Charlotte alone with Banks and Bailey and they hit a backstabber and Becky runs down to her say to save her hits a pair of Bexploders and disarm her to Sasha but Bailey pulls her away and that is how the segment ended. And later they announced a tag match. Get ready for it. Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair on the debut on Fox. We had this match last week, right? The Madison Square Garden show. MSG show, yeah. Two weeks ago? Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. It's just like I think it adds a bit of a bonus on Fox. You're not giving away a title match. Um, it's a It's a draw. I don't think it's... That big of a draw, especially because we just saw it a couple weeks back. But I think it's it's something. Yes. 
Shane McMahon is shown in the back with his lawyers getting ready for the final segment where he has invited Kevin Owens to settle their lawsuit. In the only place you settle a lawsuit, on national television in a, in a wrestling ring. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Ali. Non-title match. Ali went for a suicide dive and that was nearly the outcome here. He came down at the, the Lita angle, as I would call it, <laughs> and just crashed down. Thankfully, this guy just popped up immediately. Um, this looked frightening, um, and it was even worse because I was behind, so I was seeing everyone freaking out about this, and I knew what was coming up. So I was just watching, and I at least knew he was going to be okay. But, yeah, this this looked scary. Yeah, it was like a nosedive, like, I think, Ooh. you know, right on his shoulder, thankfully. Um, but, man, looked rough. He appear, appeared to be okay. Um Delivered a high cross to Nakamura. Sami Zayn is distracting, and Ali gets run into the post from the apron, and they go through the commercial break. Ali fights back. He flipped off the top rope, but then lands a drop kick as Nakamura is coming off the top. Ali got caught with the snap German off the middle rope, and then Nakamura sets up for the Kinshasa, but gets stopped with the super kick, and Nakamura attacks Ali with knees to the ribs, then... Ali lands on his feet from the exploder, swinging DDT, and then climbs to the top, but Sammy pulls Nakamura away, and Ali does the Ray spot, where he does the Topekan Hero over top the referee onto Nakamura on the floor, and then as he's chasing Sami Zayn into the ring, gets nailed with a Kinshasa, and is pinned by Nakamura in seven minutes. Good match. You know, I thought Ali was a real standout in it, bumping like a maniac for Shinsuke. Incredible high-flying, I thought, from him here. So, you know, they've clearly got no story for Ali right now. Uh, didn't even win this non-title match, which you would expect, you know, would have at least led to some type of title program with Nakamura, but that doesn't appear to be the case. So, unfortunately, just appears to be enhancement talent right now, unless they maybe pair him off with, like, Zane. Um, mm. Though Zane's not wrestling right now, and that becomes such a cold program after this. But, you know, he's... This is the, this is the Cedric blueprint. You just... Lose and lose, yeah. and then you make your comeback at the end. Oh, God. I feel like they have so many of those guys right now, you know? Buddy Murphy. Yeah, well, well, you, well, I was going to say, Buddy Murphy, you don't, you don't want to beat someone of note because then you disappear. You want to lose, and that keeps you in the rotation. Buddy Murphy beat Daniel Bryan. Didn't he? Well, yeah, who else did he beat? Beat Daniel was, Bryan, and we haven't seen him since. He just did. Poof. He's gone. Um. So who do you think Nakamura gets next? Um, I think they're going to continue this with Ali. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, unless they're going to do a title match at some point before the draft and then split them up. Um, they could just be, th this could be on the pay-per-view. This could be on Hell in a Cell. They got to fill out that. They've got what, three matches on the card. They've got to fill that pay-per-view out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would expect like some type of stipulation, right? Like what, what's going to be different next time around? Like he's, he's, Sammy's banned from ringside. You could do so. And is he going to get a title shot or does he have to beat Nakamura fairly and then get another shot? Well, if I was going to a, an IC title match at the pay-per-view, Ali probably would have won this on this week, but yeah. let's see where they go here. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe Cedric and Ali have different plans where they're going to end up with title matches. Biggie and Xavier Woods came out for the Bay area and took on the B team, which saw Axel floss. He did that. He flossed. Then they ran around the ring and called this the B train. Biggie joined in, but then tossed Axel into the barricade. 
midnight hour, and they pinned Dallas in 228, and then they hung out with the 49ers. Quick squash match. I mean, I, I don't know if this appeared for any reason other than, get, than to get a popular act onto TV. It was short and offensive. I, I really didn't have much of an issue with it. Mandy Rose is backstage with her copy of Maxim Australia with Sonia Deville, and she is expecting parades in Australia when they go there. And she's handing out copies backstage. Sonia's annoyed because she needs to focus on the match they have next. And then Otis comes in for a selfie and takes a copy to show off to Tucker. This is Australia Maxim, right? Yes, Maxim Australia. Well, that's cool. Great. Kyrie Sane and Asuka versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, the last SmackDown match on the USA Network. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Trivia question to bookend Alberto and Kalisto. You know, uh, you people have heard me complain about like the Asuka, Kyrie Sane entrance music and how lazy it is that they just crossfade. I didn't. Oh, it's awful. I really noticed it here. You know, I didn't realize Fire and Desire have the exact same thing. Oh, so, do they? Yeah. It's just it like. It was so painfully annoying at the end of this match where they're literally they did it like three times where it's just cross fading i think you know it's it's actually like recorded into the song like so it's an actual new song now but it's so lazy it's so bad Corey graves gets a signed copy of maxim and graves notes that as a team oscar and Kyrie sane haven't set the world on fire yet understatement rose tells Kyrie. That you will never look like me as Kyrie kicks the magazine away. Wait, as... she tried to kick it and totally missed. Oh, I missed this. Which was oh. actually really more adorable than embarrassing. It was like a child trying to like kick a ball and like missing. And then her second attempt, she kicked the magazine out. Uh, Kyrie hit her sliding D into the corner onto Sane. DeVille then attacked her from the apron. Rose hit a right hand for a two count. Asuka's tagged in, hip attack to Rose, Shining Wizard, DeVille makes the save, and then Asuka hits the code breaker, which was identified by Tom Phillips as, oh, right to the jaw. Or the recoil. Uh, it wasn't called the recoil, though. Right. Yeah, this was just, oh, right to the jaw. Oscar <laughs> uh, then tagged uh, Sane, who hit the insane elbow, and pinned Mandy at 415. Very average match. You know, um, and I don't necessarily disagree with whatever they said about Kyrie Sane and 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 Oscar because I I feel like they've really underwhelmed not just in the booking but even in ring. This was really nothing special. I was surprised that Mandy took the clean pinfall here, considering you know she was like she's the cover girl. But ultimately, I think a right call because Rose doesn't lose anything from the defeat. In fact, like they were teasing this like the, the teams being potentially split up really hard in the draft. Do you see that for any of these teams? Oh, I could definitely see it for Kyrie and Asuka. Like, I, you don't have a tag division. So yeah. I really could see them splitting them up, although that doesn't drastically change my outlook on their futures. Like, when you think about Asuka beating Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble, like, what a nothing that they followed up on in any sense. It's just she is just so forgotten at this point. Kyrie's call-up has been uh, just as forgettable. Um, so I would have no problem if they split up the team. It's just this tag division. I I don't even see a need for these tag titles. I guess they're not going anywhere, and you technically need teams. But man, I I would I'd be fine splitting up Oscar and Kyrie Sane. They've taken Paige away too, so I don't even know if she's still a part of the whole thing. 
Well, she had that neck surgery recently, so oh, she's re- right. she's recovering from that. So oh, she's right. not available, and that that does kind of hurt them not having Paige around either. Um, then the final segment is Shane McMahon coming out with his lawyers, and he's even willing to play Kevin Owens' theme song as he comes down to the ring. Really, really kind of them. I guess they would have played some Kill Switch Engage back in 2014 if they had invited uh, Punk to come on and discuss the. The lawsuit with uh, Dr. Amon in the ring. Sure. Um, Owens was wearing this shirt that I believe is uh, Finn Balor's company. Oh, okay. Didn't notice. Yes. Uh, it's, I think it's pronounced peak. It's uh, it's like with the, the and sign in there. Ampersand. Yes. That is the term I was looking for. Shane has two options. He says Owens can spend years in court with Shane fighting him. Or... Owens can drop the lawsuit. Shane will reinstate him on the spot and drop the $100,000 fine, and they can just start off with a clean slate. Owens calls him an idiot. He says Shane McMahon does not belong in the WWE locker room, and this lawsuit is not about money. It's about getting leverage on you and getting you fired. And Owens says, let's settle this the best way I know how. The same way that I'm sure many, many plaintiffs have wished that they could settle their dispute. He says, one final match. Loser leaves WWE, and you're always talking about climbing the corporate ladder. Let's make it a ladder match. And Shane's microphone was cut, but he accepted the match. And it's on. For when? So they didn't say it. Um, I did ask afterwards, and... I was told it's happening on the debut on Fox. Right. It felt like a bit of a, um, like they didn't have that much time to like cram all this stuff in. And I wonder if they intended on announcing the date um, within the segment. I feel like they probably did. <laughs> I think they hit the music before Shane could say all this, but my impression is that they did want to announce this. So my guess is they're probably going to make this official tomorrow or something because you, you, you want to promote it now. And I think that was the intention here to tell people that this would be on Fox next week. It's the culmination of a very long storyline. And, and um, I think, you know, one of the main hooks, I would say, of, of next week's uh, Fox show. So um, I'm looking it's forward a, it, to it. It's, it's a really big SmackDown that they've got. Like you've um, to me, it's like the appearances of all the legends are whatever. I'm kind of curious to see if they shoot an angle with Goldberg. Um, but the other legends to me, it's kind of we've seen so, them all. So Goldberg's uh, announced. They've announced Goldberg. They didn't announce it on this show, though, did they? No, they've only announced it on the website. Right. Yeah. So um, I'll pull up the the list of all the names. But then they've got uh, this match with Owens against Shane McMahon, which should be a crazy Shane McMahon-Kevin Owens stunt fest. I mean, this is probably going to be an insane match uh, on TV. You've got the women's tag match, and then you've got Kofi and Brock. Like, it's... A really solid show, I think. Going, uh, I think they've really set up this debut very strong. It's a packed uh, two-hour show for sure. All right, so last that segment. was Becky and uh, oh, of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We cut to the back, and Becky is being interviewed by Kayla Braxton, and she's saying that Sasha Banks is no one without her lap dog Bailey, and then Sasha jumps her from behind, calls Becky a nobody, runs her into a fence is like grinding her face and leaves Becky laying to end the show. 
in hindsight, I really don't know how necessary the Sasha Becky segment really was. You know, it's it's a match that's taking place at Hell in a Cell and not next week on on the big edition of SmackDown. I feel like you might have been more impactful to end on the Shane Owens interaction, and you might have actually had a chance to like you know tell the crowd when that match is going to take place, or even like talk about everything that was about to take place next week, like you just did, John. Um, that maybe I was a little bit disappointed by, but overall I thought, I thought it was a good SmackDown and I thought, I think for the most part they did a good, good job, like setting up next week's show without being overly obnoxious. I do feel like Brock versus Kofi probably needed a bit more promotion, but I understand that's really difficult with, without Brock being there. That'll probably be Monday, the hard push doing something with Brock on Monday. I would, I would assume, and you probably, I would think it would make sense to have Kofi on raw Monday. Um, so here are the names that they've announced for SmackDown next week. Um, Kurt Angle, Lita, Mick Foley, Booker T, Hulk Hogan, Trish Stratus, Bill Goldberg, Jerry Lawler, Mark Henry, Ric Flair, and Sting. So with Hogan and Flair, they're going to be on both shows next week. Okay, cool. All right. So there you go. That is uh, that is SmackDown next week. A I lot mean, I wish to cram I, in. I wish I... Did they air a promo at least or something that I missed? I I don't think they've announced these on TV once. It's it, they did do a website story uh, when this first was announced, but that was that was last month they announced this. Really? Okay. Yeah. You figure like this would be kind of the time and place to do it, but they do have Monday to to, to do it as well. So yeah. So yeah. yeah you it's I, I just hope it's not like the other shows where it's like 25 people that they booked. It is a smaller number, but still it's going to be trying to cram a lot into these two hours. When you figure Kofi and Brock is going to be, uh, I don't think that's going to be a short match. It's not going to be a lengthy one after Owens and Shane, I think is going to be a long match as well. So, I mean, you're talking about a two hour show. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot to fit into that two hours. Yeah. I mean, I would say coming out of, out of both raw and SmackDown, they they both promoted next week's shows. There's their quote unquote season premieres as really big shows. To me, it's almost a bit of a surprise because I thought all the attention would be, would be put on October fourth, um, and instead it feels like you know right now there's going to be like three or four big events occurring next next week for the WWE. So it's great if you're a fan, but I think it potentially risks October fourth being a little bit watered down. But again, I'm sure the the addition of Raw that's coming up will. I would assume heavily promote Fox. I I I think they've done a really good job hyping up this this Fox special. Like to me, it does feel like the big show of all of the stuff they're promoting next week. Above Raw, above NXT, above Hell in a Cell. Um, that to me to me it's like the biggest show, and I I think they've done um it's a really strong job um building up. Like I'm expecting that's going to have a really big audience next Friday night. Um, all right, on the forum. Not a whole lot of activity tonight, Wayne. You know, I I wondered if there if there's something going on with our um, access um, because I I know a lo- number of people that are typically patrons aren't necessarily being recognized as such. So I think this is probably a, an issue on our end. In oh. fact, uh, so I apologize, everybody. Well, uh, we'll get to the lone one here, which is Andy in Columbus, and we should have all this rectified for our next show. But uh, Andy writes, WWE have gotten have actually got me pretty hot to see Brian and Reigns against Rowan and Harper. It's amazing how good Daniel Bryan really is. Is it is it that amazing? This this Daniel Bryan, he's he's good, isn't he? Um it it is amazing. You know? And how and how easily he can be reheated with the fans. The bulk of his past 18 months have been a real head scratcher. I think WWE programming is sneaky good lately. 7 out of 10. Uh, I would agree. I think that that tag match, I think it's going to be a really strong tag match on the pay-per-view. I am uh looking forward to it. 
Yeah, again, apologies, everybody. Um, it's uh, something that I think just occurred during this recording, so we'll get that looked at. All right. Well, on that note, thank you to all of you uh, for listening to our final Tuesday night edition of Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, if you do want to go back, we announced our whole new lineup for post-wrestling. That is at the beginning of Rewind to Raw. Uh, this show will be effectively next week. Uh, we'll be moving to Friday nights. Uh, this is going to be a Patreon show because we are adding a free Wednesday night show, which will be following uh, AEW um, and going through all of the news on Wednesday show as well. So uh, those are some of the changes. And if you're thinking about joining the cafe, I should have mentioned this yesterday, but wait until October 1st to do so because you otherwise will be charged uh, beforehand. So um, and but, you know, I do want to thank anybody who has signed up and uh I appreciate uh, everybody who will sign up if you're thinking about it. All right. That's going to wrap up the show, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back Wednesday night for patrons. It is the final shot between Way and I. Uh, so that'll be coming up Wednesday night. Who knows what we'll be talking about, but it'll be worth your time. So we'll speak with you then.